be talking about thinking ahead as part of our One Thought series. And, and part of this series is to really capture how God helps us to not think like the world, but have the mind of Christ. And I thought, what better person to think about these One Thoughts than Pastor Wayne Cordero, who, as many of you know, built this place, of course, with the Lord. However, there are many of you who are still here who are a part of that legacy. And so I wanted to ask Pastor Wayne some questions. And actually, thank you so much, Pastor Wayne, for <laughs> allowing us the privilege of hearing from you about thinking ahead. And so thank you for taking the time oh, out to do this. Oh, it's an honor, Sheldon. And thank you for doing such a great job at the New Hope Hilo. That's our, our first love. So my, my question is, when this place was being built, the gathering place, mm -hmm. there was a lot of stir in the community. There was a lot of ups and downs. There were things that need to be, uh, things that had to be done. There were time frames and, and deadlines. What were you thinking about in thinking ahead that said, even though we're hitting this roadblock, we got to forge ahead? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, I stop now and think, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking about? But, you know, uh, God puts a vision in your heart, and you're captured by a vision. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just mine. It was all of ours, and we resonated on that together. It's so neat when everybody's hearing the same thing, and we're saying, let's do this together, because that's the only way you can do it. You know, mm -hmm. one person can't do it. I can't do it. But together, we put our hands to this, and it was great. Did we have roadblocks? People said uh, to me, Wayne... What did we, you know, what did you build this out of? Cinder block, concrete block? I said, no, roadblocks. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, you can decide if you're going to use these things as a, a stumbling stone or a stepping stone, as a building block or as a roadblock. And we just thought we're just going to see it as a building block. And so it taught us to pray. We hit our knees a lot and we cried a lot we wondered how it was going to be um, paid for sometimes mm -hmm. but you know we just persevered and everybody was so encouraging and uh, I remember working my hands in the cement and trying to trying my hand at uh, plastering walls mm -hmm. and sheetrock right. and I don't know if it's still standing or well, not two walls but, fell. that might have been oh, the one that yeah that those definitely okay. were the ones but uh, God uses roadblocks so I'd say to people when there's a roadblock it's a character building block mm -hmm. because it wasn't just a building God wanted us to build. It was people. Mm -hmm. And through the building, we built friendships. Yeah. We built camaraderie. We built men of God, women of God, men of vision, women of vision. And that still resonates in us mm -hmm. today. So what did we build it out of? We built it out of roadblocks. So if you were to speak to those who were there, and many of you were there when the building was being built and even in the early days before that boys club women's club in the very beginning what would you say to those who we call forerunners our kupunas what would you say to them in this season of even still thinking ahead yeah. in the future well um, you know we we use the women's club the boys club for a short season seventh day adventist church we <laughs> we went all over we used uh uh, so many different buildings and places. Uh, but to those that have been there from the beginning, you're kind of the carriers of the vision, of the DNA, of, the, of what God has called us to do and to be. That hasn't changed. The calling's still the same. It might be expressed differently from generation to generation, but the principles remain the same. The calling is the same. The, the challenge is the same to build people's lives, to reach more people. Uh, that hasn't changed. Now, our energy level might change, mm -hmm. you know, right. as we, as you so uh, lovingly called us kupunas. <laughs> yeah, I take that as an offense. But... Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. But, uh, but we embody that principle. That has to be passed on. Mm. That's like an anointing. You don't want to take that to the grave. It's a treasure that has to be passed on. It's like a baton. If you're running a race with a baton, you don't. This this baton is not to be taken home mm -hmm. as a trophy, you know, right. in your pocket. You, as a part of the challenge, you have to pass that baton. And in those relay races, the races will be won or lost in the passing of the baton. 
And so I would encourage uh, those veterans that embody the principles of New Hope to pass it on by encouraging, by mentoring, by leading a small group, by somehow passing that baton to others who will take it another lap or two. Do you see, as far as New Hope Hilo, I mean, we talk about it a lot because that's where this whole New Hope movement kind of began. And it's when people visit, they're just enamored by the building and the people. When you thought of looking ahead and you thought of birthing more churches and, and Hilo being your very first one that you came to Hawaii, which was a dying church, and you guys kept it alive, and the Lord says, no, you keep it going. When you look at what's happening today with the whole New Hope movement and even Hilo, Hilo still Mm -hmm. uh, being alive, how much of that would you say, I didn't even see this coming. I just knew that there was something in my heart and God says you go and then the Lord just opened the horizon. How, how, How much of that would you say, I didn't even see it coming? Yeah, most of you. you just always go from day to day you know uh, when they say well you have to have a long-range vision a business plan mm-hmm. I had no plans <laughs> <laughs> all I knew was it was at Liliokalani Park and uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and said you will take this church and I was 30 years old mm-hmm. then and started when I was 31 but it was a few months before I turned 31 where the Lord said you'll take this church and uh, you'll not shut it down and, and I'm going to do a great thing and that's it. So you go on a promise. Wow. You don't go on a plan. Yeah. You go on a promise. And for a lot of marriages, uh, you don't have a plan. You know, I'm going to have three kids, and uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be six foot tall. Mm-hmm. And you can't plan anything out. But you have a promise. Promises is, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not for your calamity, but for your welfare, that you might have a future and a hope. Mm-hmm. That's a promise. I hold on to that, Mm -hmm. and I run with it, and that's called vision. When you run with the promise, it gives you vision. Vision isn't just some pipe dream. It's based on the solid foundation of a promise, but it doesn't become vision until you run with it. And that's why the Bible says, you know, it says, uh, take the vision and run with it. Write it down, make it plain, and run, Mm. so that those who read it may follow. And... and, uh, and Joel. And so we've got to make sure that God has given you a promise, which he did. Mm-hmm. Take a hold of it. Went back to uh, Oregon, said to my wife, we're moving yeah. to Hilo. She said, where? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Hilo. And uh, we're going to go. And as soon as we made that move of faith, it was like, boom, a vision started. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, we can do this and we can do that. We can do. And then the excitement started. And uh, that's how it all began. Not with a plan, with a yeah. promise. Well, those thoughts, those uh, thinking ahead, and even as best as possible, capturing that promise of God has been so beneficial. And not only have I come to know the Lord through the ministry that God has you to oversee, but also many still yet are coming to know the Lord, and a lot of youth are coming to know the Lord. So we just want to say thank you so much for all that God has done through you. Thank you, Sheldon, and thank you to, to the many people who put your hand to the plow and your heart before God and you gave of yourself and just to those of you who are veterans uh, can I reiterate uh, be a part of the future of New Hope by passing that baton whatever you have the the reason we're not dead is because there's still something inside of us that we got to give away there's something that we still need to implant uh, in others so that the race will continue at even a, a greater way. And so uh, at this juncture, can I encourage the wonderful people, the, the sacrifices you made will never be forgotten. But we're in this together, still are, will always be. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Wayne. So you can take out your notes as we talk about thinking ahead. Can we just thank Pastor Wayne Cordero thank you. this morning? can't tell you what a, what a privilege it was just to sit with him and uh, just to hear again the heart that he has. I know Auntie Nalani and Uncle Lloyd, you were here from the beginning too. And many of you were here to see what God has been doing. And uh, from the ground up till today, so many people have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
And I think when we can remember that God is always ahead of us, that we don't need to worry about tomorrow, but we live for today. And what God is going to do in our hearts is so much more than what we could ever possibly dream and imagine as the days go by. And so as we're, as we're talking about thinking ahead, we, we always got to remember that God is there. He is with us. He doesn't leave us. And I like what Pastor Wayne said, that sometimes the roadblock is actually a building block. But you got to choose that. You can't just see it as, oh, I'm up against this obstacle. We've got to be able to see it as, wait a minute, I, there's something in my heart, there's a vision, there's a dream, whether it be in our marriage or our family, that it's there. So God, whatever this roadblock is, can we turn it into a building block? And sometimes we forget about that because we're not really thinking ahead. We're thinking of now. We're just thinking of, okay, the situation that's, that I'm in right now. Well, how can we think ahead? What does that look like? Because sometimes we give up because what's happening right now is just too much to bear. But that's because we're not thinking ahead. In thinking ahead, what we're saying is the sacrifices I make today for the Lord will pay off tomorrow. It will pay off tomorrow. We're all going to make some kind of sacrifice. The question is, what will it look like in the payoff? What will it look like in the long run? And maybe we've had a, a certain way of thinking because of the way we grew up or the way our parents were or even our family, our surrounding. But God says, I want to change the way you think. Because if you change the way you think, then everything else around you will change. And that's how we're transformed. Let's look at our notes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And this is our scripture for this series. And God's going to remind us on how he transforms us. And I think we all need to change. If you're saying, well, I don't need to change, maybe you don't need to change. However, there may be some areas that would be great to change. You know, maybe you're an A-plus student. Maybe things come to you naturally, so to you it's, ah, I got this. But maybe God is doing something new, and he's going to bring you to be an A-plus-plus kind of person. So let's read this together, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Ready? Go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, one decision can change our actions. One decision. That's all it takes. One thought. This one thought that we have can change the course of our life. Today, you might hear some things that are familiar Maybe today is your day of saying, well, I'm just going to go to church because I, I haven't come to church for, in the, for a long time, so i got to get church in, or I, I, I need God right now. Yeah, that may be your thought, but can we just take out any type of uh, predetermined, think, uh, predetermined thoughts, any type of filters that we would say, well, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I, I can do this or, or that. Just kind of come to God with a blank slate and say to God, whatever you have for me today, I'm going to hear. Because there might be one thing that God speaks to you today that will change the rest of your life. But if we're just thinking about church time, not what God is going to say, then we can miss that moment. Let's not miss that moment. Let's say to the Lord, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say for me. That maybe there are some sacrifices that we're going to make today that's going to pay off in the long run. When Heidi and I were first dating, uh, she, she uh, lived in Kailua. I lived in Waimanalo on Oahu, which is about five miles away, I believe. And movies were only 99 cents. Now, for some of you, you're saying that's nothing. It was just a nickel when we were growing up. Well, it was 99 cents. Right now, it's like 10 bucks. 3D is like 80 bucks. But you go to the movies and... You want to buy snacks, you want popcorn and some candy or whatever else and some drinks. Well, I didn't have that much money. So my uncle would say, if you come with me to the golf course and get golf balls, and then I can sell them and I can give you some of the profit. So I said, sure. So I come to his house. He gives me these jeans that are so skinny or, or so small that... I think those were skinny jeans back then, but they didn't come out with skinny jeans yet. So I put those things on, and then he put on some rubber boots on me, and then had the jeans go over the rubber boots and tied it with this fluorescent pink ribbon so that it could be tight. 
And then he put on long sleeve shirt on me, and then these long uh, yellow gloves, you know the ones you use for washing dishes? He put those on me and then tied it with a pink uh, ribbon on it. I wish I had a picture. This would be so cool. Maybe I should do my own picture. But he he set me up in this, and then he gave me this this, uh, rubber tire that was filled with air, and then there was a net in it. And I would have to go down into the lake, you know those... Uh, at, at the golf course, those rivers, you know where the ball goes in? Well, mine does. But so I'm in there, and you have to feel for all of these golf balls. So I'm down there, and I, I get a couple, and I'll throw it in. I'm like, this is easy. But then I get to some areas where it's very muddy, and I start sinking. So now i got to pick my legs up. So I'm doing this constantly. And then I hear a k-tunk. I was like, what is that? And then it dawns on me, wait a minute, people are still golfing right now. This is not safe. And so I said, uncle, uh, a golf ball just went in the water. He said, good, go get it. I said, no, no, no. They're, they're playing golf right now. He goes, yeah, it's late already, so not too many golfers. I said, you don't understand. I don't want to get hit in my head. He says, no, you're not. It's the, and he gave me some type of stat. You know, the percentages of you getting hit in your head, golf ball this size, your head this big, you're going to miss. So, and I didn't get hit, praise the Lord, I didn't. So I'm like this naturally. So I kept feeling, and then I felt something, like, crawl over my hand. I'm like, oh. I'm like, uncle, there's, um, I don't know, something, like, crawled over my hand. He goes, yeah, I got crabs in there. I got Samoan crabs. Samoan crabs. Now, there is a difference between just regular crabs and Samoan crabs. And I got pinched by one, and I lifted my hand out of the water, and it wasn't that big. It was just, like, a small little one. But it, it hung on tight, and I... I ripped it off, and I, I cut my finger here. And it took years for that thing to heal because I think my nerve got damaged. And so I'm, I'm dealing with all of this. I said, Uncle, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. He said, come on, you can do this, you know, trying to encourage me because he wants the money. He doesn't care about my finger. There's no, you know, uh, TDI on this. So I, I kept picking up these golf balls and hated every single moment of doing that. But then when we were done and I washed off and, and then he gave me money, I thought that, that was worth every single moment. He gave me 20 bucks. Now, I don't know what he sold all these things for. Probably made 100 But all I knew was I had $20. And so when I went out on my date with Heidi and we, went, we uh, bought the tickets, I said, no, I got this. It's only $2, right? So I got this. So I would pay for it. And then we would buy popcorn. I was like, no, I got this. She's like, really? I said, yeah. Know where your man works. Where do you work? The golf course. It's like, uh, I didn't tell her what I did. And so I thought about the, the price I paid for just picking up these golf balls paid off later. So every time I picked up golf balls, I had to think of the payoff later. What I was receiving at the end. See, the sacrifices we make today for the Lord will pay off for tomorrow. Every sacrifice we make for the Lord will pay off for tomorrow because it's a promise that God has for us. And that's what we hang on to. We hang on to his promises. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In other words, when you're in this illustration, when the farmer goes out and he's bearing seed or, or carrying the seed and then sowing seed, it's, it's not, there's no promise in this. There's no promise in the actual seed because a seed without being sowed It stays in seed form. But not until it goes into germination, into the soil, and start to bear fruit. And start to pull through or push through the soil and and eventually become a, a tree that is fruitful. All the way up until then, all you have is hope that what you did will come to pass. It's like in a marriage the hope is that not, it's not in the vows that we make. It's not in the, the words that we exchange in the, at the time we get married. It's really in the everyday things that we do. 
that the promise is that God has a, he has a promise for our marriage. We may not have the best plan. Maybe right now the finances aren't the best. Maybe we don't even have a financial plan. Maybe we don't have a plan for, for day-to-day uh, things that we do. But God has a promise for us. We've got to hang on to that promise. We've got to keep thinking ahead rather than just what's happening today. Oh, we need to take care of what's happening today. But at the same time, we've got to think ahead. Because in thinking ahead, what we're saying is there's a promise up ahead. We're hanging on to your promises, God. Because that's the only hope we have. It's in you. And if we only rely on what's happening today, then we'll base everything on emotion and circumstance rather than the joy of the Lord and his promises. Well, how do we do that? Because it's not easy. My grandchildren, they uh, love swimming. And we have this small little swimming pool at home. And uh, one of them is uh, three years old and another one is just turned two. The six-year-old, he's going to be six, uh, he's okay because he's tall. But the other two, we put a, a life, well, actually the youngest one right now has a life preserver. You know, you put the jacket on so that they can float. Well, sometimes he doesn't like it. And he said, I don't want. I said, no, you want. He said, no, I don't want. I said, no, you want. <laughs> Papa wants you to have this on. Well, he fights it sometimes. But I do that because I care for him. That in case he slips under, he's not at that age yet to just swim and, and pop back up. And so I put that thing on him. The life preserver is there for a specific reason. All the work that is put into trying to get this two-year-old into this is far more valuable than how he feels. It's, it's far more valuable to me than it is to him. It's far more important for me to understand why I'm doing this than it is for him. Right now he doesn't understand. Right now he just thinks, why do I have to wear this and my brothers don't have to? He doesn't understand that yet. But because I love him, I'm going to do what's best for him at that moment. And for some of us, we're saying to God, I don't want the life preserver. I, don't, I got this. I can do this on my own. And God is saying, I love you too much. You're too valuable for me. To me. You're too valuable to me. For me to go by what you feel. I got to go by the value you have in me and my love for you. And so if we're thinking ahead, regardless of if it's a roadblock or whatever it would be, a stumbling block, look at it as a stepping block. That in this situation, God, you're doing something. So I, I'm transformed by the way I think. Instead of thinking of what's happening, I got to start thinking of, Lord, you're doing something in my life right now. Maybe you're teaching me something. So we're going to look at a couple of things that will help us in thinking ahead. And if you're, if you're uh, taking some notes, you can write this in your first point. Just invest some time into careful thinking. Just a little bit of time into careful thinking. Just like that life preserver. It takes a little bit extra time just to think about it and put that thing on. Just invest a little bit time. See, failing to think ahead will cause you to sink. But when you're able to think ahead, then you're able to stay afloat. But it takes a little bit of time just to think things through. Some of you love playing chess or checkers, and you love these thinking games. And you're so good at it that you try to find people that are better and better and better and better. But when I first started learning about chess and, and checkers... I didn't understand the full concept because they're both different, but the same board. And so I'm sitting there, and I think it was my sister who was teaching me how to play checkers. And so she's moving the pieces around. I said, oh, so you can just move in diagonal? She goes, yes. Now chess, you can kind of, each piece does a different thing. So I'm trying to understand the concept between the two. And so she moves her piece, and I see that I can jump, you know, over that piece with the checkers. And I said, oh, perfect. And I said, you got to move your finger. She goes, no, I'm thinking. I said, what do you mean you're thinking? I can, I can take your piece. She goes, no, no, you can't. My finger's on my piece. I said, yeah, but you moved it already. She says, no, no, no. If your finger's on your piece, it's not a finished move. I said, what? well, how long are you going to stay there? 
just move your finger and tell me you're thinking and I'll trust you. She goes, no, 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 your finger has to be on it. And I thought, you know, the Bible speaks about that. The Bible says that God's hand is on us. Did you know that God thinks about you and I? Literally with his hand on us. That he thinks about us. And, and sometimes we're saying, God, get your hand off of me. I got I to make this move. And he's saying, hang on. I'm thinking. But I want you to think with me. No, no, no. I can do this. I got this. I got it down. I know what I'm doing. No, I'm, my hand is on you. See, the Bible tells us, Proverbs 16, 9, a man's, a, a man's heart plans his way, but it's the Lord that directs his steps. So you know what the Lord is doing? The Lord is helping us by directing our steps, but he cannot direct our steps if we have not thought ahead. If we just live life by every single moment, then how, how is God going to direct our steps? There needs to be some kind of thought put into this, some type of thinking, that together with God, he's going to say, okay, here's the wisdom. Okay, this is what you're thinking. Just kind of tweak it just a little bit, and, and this is the, the direction you are to go. Just a little bit. Just invest some time into careful thinking. That's how great inventions are made. Did you know that many inventors, they go into what they call a think tank? And they would lock themselves in a room. And even in the early days, they would actually have a think tank. They would lock themselves with just a pen and pad. And then they would just write down idea, 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 after idea, after idea. And, and, and uh, solutions and problems and, and some equations. And they would write these things down. And they would be in their think tank because it's in the think tank that no one bothers them. That they're not in the experiment yet. They're not with their invention, but they're thinking things through, carefully thinking things through through. They're taking time out, just investing some time just to think things through. And I think we live in a now decision generation. We want things now. We want it instantly. We were talking the other day and it was Pastor Charlie and myself and some youth and we're just talking about growing up. You know, we didn't have phones growing up. Many of us didn't have a watch. We had the sun and street lights. That was all we had. And we had to get home before it was dark or when the street lights went off or when, when the street lights came on or before that. But now we have text, right? We just text our children. Hey, come home. Or where are you? We, we can do that. It's instant. You can get it now. But when we were growing up, sometimes, literally, you did not know exactly where your children were and you would hope that they were safe. And today, for some of the parents, we're saying, don't tell me what you did when you were a kid. Okay, I don't want to know. Because I don't want to know the things you got into. No, mom, you, you thought I was at grandma's house. I wasn't at grandma's house. I don't want to know. But today, it's, it, you can instantly get a hold of your children. And so some of the parents, they get their children iPhones at age 8. And some parents are saying, 8? That's too much responsibility. But the parent is saying, but I can instantly know where they are. So you have your own opinions. We just want things instantly, right away. We have on-demand video. We can watch movies on our phones today. We don't want to wait in line. We want, to, we want to pay for things right on our phones and then go to, the, go to wherever we need to and just pick it up. We want things instantly. We want our cars to go faster. We want computers to go faster. But God says, you know, there is a, there is a purpose for a waiting period. It gives you time to think. Have you ever said something and right after you say it, you say, shucks, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, God says, invest some time into careful thinking. Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. It's the simpleton that goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Now, they don't even think about it. They, they just put no time into thought, no investment into time, into careful thinking. They just do whatever they feel. You see a roadblock, ah, let's break through the roadblock. No, they're, they're, the roadblock may be there for a reason. Maybe it's giving you time to think so that you can turn it into a stepping block and to take another step up. Maybe it's a building block. See, the sacrifices we make today for the Lord will pay off tomorrow. Just invest some time into careful thinking. But here's the second thing, be careful of overthinking. 
Because that will lead to indecisiveness. That you have a hard time making up your mind. Now, some of us live with people that they have a hard time making up their mind. And you're saying, just make up your mind. Just, just, just make a decision. It's like, well, if I do this, then what if this happens? But if I do this, then that's going to happen. And we make no decision. I was in Jack in a Box a long time ago. I have not eaten there in years. And I was standing in line. Now, I loved their curly fries. But I also loved uh, their burgers. I think it was like the, I think it was called... A double, double cheeseburger? Bacon, bacon double cheeseburger. So it was a bacon double cheeseburger with curly fries. And it was, a, at that time, it was a cappuccino shake because they used real ice cream. And, oh, it was so good. Very, very fattening. So I stood in line, and I'm thinking, I want to get that. But I look at their menu, and I think, but I want to get that also. So they're saying, may I help you? And the interesting thing is when I get there, they're asking me what, you know, what do you want to order? And I'm not ready by that time. And so I'm thinking, I said, you know, I'll get the bacon double cheeseburger. I'll also have the large curly fries and then I'll, I'll take a, a cappuccino shake. Okay, is that it? What do you mean? Is that all you want? Um, well, let me think now. Um, or should I go with the number four? So I'm, I'm, I'm here at the line and I can, I can sense my friends behind me like, can you hurry up? And so I'm waiting there and it's at that very moment where I have to make a decision. And so finally I make my decision. And my friends ask me, they say, why do you take so long in making a decision? And for one reason is I don't go to Jack in a Box all the time. Now, you put me in another place that I go to all the time, like Nori's, I'll go there and I'll say, I'll just take a Terry plate, side order mac salad, all toss. That's it. Very simple. And a honey caramel toast. First, it's a dessert thingy. I know exactly what I'm going to get. For some of us, when we go to a restaurant that we're familiar with, we're not indecisive. In fact, we order the same thing all the time. You don't even need a menu. They don't even take your order. They come up to you and say, you're getting number five? Yep, that's what I'm getting. And they know. Why? Because you got it down. But you go to another restaurant that you have absolutely no idea what's on the menu and you have to choose, now it takes Forever. Especially if th there's no pictures on it. Especially for men. Because if there are no pictures, we're like, oh, I got to read this stuff. And then we always say this, what is that? And so they let us know. And then we see them walking by with plates. And then we ask, hey, what is that? What is that? We're just so indecisive. We don't know what to get. So if we overthink things, we paralyze ourselves. So think about our marriages or if we're thinking about getting married and we're so indecisive, we actually ruin ourselves. Even the decisions that we need to make, if we're indecisive or we overthink things, we ruin the actual decision. Or sometimes we just make a decision because we're just tired of not making the decision. So we just make rash decisions and we're not even thinking ahead. We just say, you know what, then fine, okay? You guys want to do this? Then let's just do this. You want to buy this? Then just go get it. And then when things fall apart, what I told you. What I told you. That's why I was trying to think. That's why. That's why I didn't want to do that. No, you wanted to buy that car. Now look broken. So we, yeah, we, we tend to overthink. But we still need to invest time in thinking. It's not just about thinking. It's using wisdom. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, excuse me, Proverbs uh, James 1, 5, and 6. If you need wisdom, what do we do? Hey, we ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. See, overthinking, indecisiveness can paralyze even the best of us. There's a king in the Bible in 2 Chronicles. His name is Abijah. And as king, he's, he's letting the, the people of Judah and warning the leaders of Judah. And at that time, Judah and Israel were split. And Judah was the northern kingdom and Israel was the south. And so now the king is saying, hang on, you guys. 
remember what the kings did before us. They rebelled against God, but not us. We need to follow the ways of God. And he reminded them of another king named Rehoboam who was before him. He said, listen, remember what happened. Remember what took place. And so he says in 2 Chronicles 13, verse 7, he says, Also, some worthless scoundrels gathered around him and opposed Rehoboam, son of Solomon, when he was young and indecisive and not strong enough to resist them. Just wasn't strong enough. See, indecisiveness and overthinking can weaken. It can actually weaken us. We just don't make a decision. Oh, it's hard because we're risking, but we're putting our faith in God alone. We're actually not putting our faith in our decision. We're putting our faith in God alone. That's why so many people, even today, who have been married for a while, doubt if they should have gotten married because they're basing their faith on their decision to be married rather than faith in God alone. And if your faith is in God alone, then he's going to say, no, 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 here's how we can improve in your marriage. But if you're just thinking about your decision, then you can call it quits anytime. Because did I make the wrong decision? Did I make the right decision? And God is saying, you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. You put your faith in me. You put your faith in your decision, you can bail out anytime. Because there's no power in your decision. The power lies in me. I'm the one that's going to help you. Before Heidi and I got married, when we were uh, coming to church, we knew we were going to get married, but then we're thinking about finances. We're thinking about where we're going to live. We're thinking about job security. We're thinking about, okay, what about school or where our children are going to go to school? We're thinking about all these things. And, and so as the days and weeks go by, people are asking, when are you guys going to get married? We're like, someday. Someday we'll get married. Yeah, but it's been a while. Someday you're going to get married. So we kept thinking about, okay, someday, someday, when this is ready, when this is ready, when this is ready. But we were living together. So we were coming to church and then we found out that what we were doing was not righteous in God's eyes. And so Heidi and I sat down and we said, listen, we got to do something because we just, we just, we're not right with God. And so we just decided, we said, you know what, let's just get married then. We know we're going to get married. Let's get counseling and let's get married. And so we planned the marriage as best as possible, put out invitations as quick as possible. And we weren't concerned about how good the wedding was going to look, what kind of dress Heidi was going to have, what I was going to wear, how much everything was going to cost. Uh, we, we, didn't, we weren't concerned about how many people needed to be there. Our main concern was what God was saying. We started there. And then we thought things through. Because it was from that moment that we said yes to God. God, we're going to do this your way. Then he says, then I'm going to give you my blessing. But if you don't do it my way, I can't give you my blessing. And then we were able to think things through. And yes, we would have wanted our wedding to be better, bigger, more people, nicer and more things. But it didn't matter. What mattered is what God said. That if we kept overthinking things, we would have never gotten married. Because we would never have saved enough money to have the big wedding, to have the nice car at the end, the nice honeymoon at the end. We just had to say, you know what, this is what God is asking us to do. Because I'd rather obey God from the very beginning and start my marriage off that way than to do it how I want and do it in such a way that everything looks good. But I'm not doing it God's way. And then the marriage falls apart because from the very beginning, I didn't obey God. Why spend $50,000 in the beginning only to end up paying a higher price later? Obedience is the key. I had to think about that. I had, we had to think ahead. We had to think about God's blessing on our marriage rather than what's going to happen at the wedding day. And it took a lot out of us, but we had to think about, and here's the third thing, to think about the future, but we had to live for that day. Well, we thought ahead, we thought about the future, but we still had to live for today. It's like getting ready the night before church, or getting ready the day before you go camping, or the day, or, or getting things ready before your family goes to the beach. You know, you, you get things ready, prepared, so that you're ready to go 
tomorrow. You're not, you're not necessarily worried about tomorrow. You're just preparing for it today. It's like driving. When you drive, you're thinking of the future, but you're living in the moment. You're looking ahead. As you're driving, you're looking ahead, and you're making calculative decisions as you're driving. Some of us, our calculations are a little bit off, but that's okay. At least you're thinking ahead. You never drive like this. Looking out the window, what's happening right now? Oh, I live for the moment. I just live for today. No, at the moment. You, you can do that for about maybe 10 feet. And then after that, you will hear. And that's the other person smashing into you. Yeah, you look ahead. You, you, you look towards the future, but you're, you're living in it right now. And you're planning ahead. You're thinking ahead. You're making calculative decisions. But you're not indecisive. You're not saying, should I go? Should I go? You go at a stoplight and try to do that. You go at a stop sign and do that. We've done that before. Both people come at the same time. Go ahead. No, no, you go. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. No, no. Go. Okay, thank you. You know, I turn off my car, put him in park. You go. I step out of my car. Okay, go, go, go. Just go. My cousin actually got banged by a car that way. That's how he got banged. He's at a crosswalk. And he's on his bike, uh, got off of his bike, and the car slows down for him. He goes, no, 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 go. And the lady says, no, you go. He goes, but go. She says, you. He says, okay. They both go at the same time. And, and he stops. He goes, go. She goes, no. They do that for about three or four times. Finally, he goes, okay. And he walks, and she bangs him. <laughs> she bangs him. And I thought, what, what is happening? See, when we plan for the future... What we're not saying is, I'm going to worry so much about the future. What we are saying is, God has a future for me. So I'm going to live for today. I'm going to do my very best to plan for it. See, it's not about IQ. It's not, it's not, it's not being smarter. Thinking people are not necessarily smarter or have a high IQ. It's just they get an earlier start. And if you are a sprinter, usually the race is won or lost out of the starting blocks. It's how quick you can get off that start. Same thing in the NFL. If you can get off of that line quick enough, I don't know if you, some of you know Pittsburgh Steelers and when Troy Palomalo would play, he had this one play that he just dove over, timed it perfectly, and caught the quarterback, sacked him in .3 seconds. Because he was off of that line quickly. Thinking ahead is not necessarily being smarter. It's just thinking. It's starting to think. I mean, we say that with our children, right? What were you thinking? I wasn't thinking. What were you thinking? I don't know. We ask them that question when they make a decision. What are you even thinking? And we always say this, right? Use your head. Use your brain. We knock them on the head. Oh, bugger empty. No monotony. No wonder. Hey, we, we tell our children, use your thinking. God gave us a brain to think. See, it's not necessarily what's in front of us. And we may not have the plan. Uh, we may not have everything perfectly planned out for marriage or finances or job. But God says, I have a promise for you. And we hang on to that. Because the sacrifices we make today for the Lord will pay off for tomorrow. We were at the beach one day and we went swimming and we were at Hapuna, went swimming. And, and I thought, wait, I should put on some sunblock because I haven't been at the beach for a long time. And I'm not even white. I'm like fluorescent white. I'm like clear. So I need to put on some sunblock. But I didn't bring sunblock. So I said, Heidi, did you bring sunblock? She goes, yes, I did. So she brings out the sunblock and put on sunblock. And then, you know, we're done and... So I'm going to take a shower, and I'm thinking, I didn't even bring extra clothes. I didn't even have a towel. I'm like, Heidi, I didn't even have a towel. She goes, I brought one for you. I said, oh, thank you. She gives me a towel. And I said, I didn't even bring extra clothes. She said, I brought you extra clothes. I'm like, wow, I'm just like a little kid. Yeah, you get my stuff ready for me. And she goes, yes, you are like a little kid. <laughs> she got all my stuff ready. And I thought, she did something that I didn't even think about. She put careful thought into going somewhere. And sometimes I'm just like that. I don't know if it's a man thing, but I just go. You know, we, we're camping, let's just go. What we need? Ah, shoes. Let's just go. 
And we go, and we get there, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to eat, I don't know how I'm going to survive. But Heidi planned that. She thought things through. She thought about the future, but she was living for today. She wasn't worried about the future. She wasn't worried about the beach tomorrow because she prepared for it. Let's look at what the scripture says in Matthew 6, 34. It says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will bring its own worries. See, I was in tomorrow that day when I didn't have sunscreen, when I didn't have a towel, but Heidi thought about it. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, now let's take the two scenarios. Heidi planning for tomorrow, not worrying about it, preparing for it. I didn't worry about tomorrow. But now I am, I'm in tomorrow. So now I'm worrying about today. You see the difference? The Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. Well, you can prepare for it. But don't worry because tomorrow has enough problems of its own. It's called your husband. Your husband didn't get things ready. So you're going to plan for it. You're going to prepare for it. But for this guy, you have enough troubles for today. So you can prepare for it. But every day has enough problems of its own. See, thinking ahead is not worrying about tomorrow. It's just planning for it today. Worrying says, I don't have any control over whatever it is. I don't have any control over it. See, if I worried about the weather, that's worrying. But I could prepare for it and bring an umbrella. So the Bible is saying, you worry, when you worry, it means you're worrying about something you cannot control. So when we think ahead, if you're beginning to worry, think about if it's something you can actually control. And if it's not, don't worry about it. You, you, you can't change it. So don't worry about it. See, you think about the future, but you, you live for today. This is what the Lord means when he says to be joyful. In Psalm 118, verse 24, he says, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Where? In it. And we live for today. We're in it. We're, we're here at the very moment that God says, you're going to be joyful. Why? Because you're going to choose that. And he says, you're going to, yeah, you're going to plan for tomorrow, but you live for today. And you can be joyful in this day because that's how I've made this day. I created it for you. I made it in such a way that you can rejoice and be glad in it. Okay, it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Today, I have enough troubles and I have to deal with today. And it's just too much for me to bear. Yeah, right now, my house is dirty. Laundry is piling up. Car is messy. I didn't even feed the dog today. Uh, yeah, bills are piling up. Finances are not in great shape. There's a lot of mess in my life. Yep, very messy. So I understand, yes, today has enough problems of its own. Family a mess. Children a mess. Grades a mess. Husband a mess. Wife a mess. It's just, everything is a mess. And I thought, Lord, when... When everything is in a mess, may we always come to Jesus where we will find rest. He tells us that. He says, you know, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so maybe the one thought that we could have today is what sacrifice can i make today for the lord that will pay off tomorrow it's a promise we hang on to the promises of god not our own plans we plan yeah we will we will we will prepare but it's the Lord that will direct our steps. And I'm so glad he does. Because his hand is on you. Because he thinks about you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Would you say amen to that?
put your Bibles away in your notes and we're going to pray for a while. If you would bow your heads for a moment. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you that we can come before you and you're a God who thinks of us all the time. You have a purpose for us. You have plans for us. And you include us in it. You don't leave us separate from it. And maybe your plan today are for some that they have never said yes to you. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've, I've never given my heart to Jesus. I've, I've never had that opportunity. I've been kind of thinking about it. But maybe today is my day. That I'm not going to be indecisive, but I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus today. And if that's you, we're going to pray together. And, and you can say this prayer Mean it with all your heart. Or maybe there's some of us today, we're Christians, we're believers, and we're saying, Lord, I, I, I find myself being indecisive. I find myself overthinking things. And, or maybe I don't invest enough time into just careful thinking. Maybe it'll take five seconds, ten seconds, ten minutes. Maybe I got to think before I speak. Whatever it is, Lord, can you help me today? And together we can, we can have careful thinking. Because my future is in your hands and I'm hanging on to your promises. Maybe that's you today. Let's all pray this prayer together, especially for those that are saying yes to Jesus today. And, and here's our prayer. You can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Jesus Christ. That you came and died for my sins. You gave me new life, and I receive that. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for eternal life, and I believe you died on the cross, and you rose again to give me a better future. I pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, that's our prayer. And for many of us, even as Christians, Lord, our prayer is simply this, Lord. Help us to think ahead even that much better than how we've been thinking. Change us, Lord. Mold us and shape us to look more like you. That we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And when we do, we'll know that which is good and perfect and pleasing. We will know your will. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, amen.